Hello and welcome back to the Working Mama podcast. Today I have a chat with teacher turned life coach, Megan J. Smith. Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real world tips, tricks and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. My name is Karina O'Brien, a fellow working parent trying to manage the juggle. Each week, we'll be looking at all things related to working parents with special guests and solo episodes to help you navigate the world of having children and a career. Well, well, we've got to episode number 15. And today's guest is Megan J. Smith, who is a life coach for women who want to make a change. She is the host of the Money Mindful podcast and book club, both created as a space for women to learn about money and mindset. It's a really interesting chat with Megan because she's gone from being a photographer, then decided to go into teaching and then go into life coach now to actually suit the needs of her family. So those that think they've got this one dimensional career, they can't make changes after you become a mum. Well, Megan demystifies all that uh, and really gives some great advice and tips on how to do it. So mum, stop those limiting beliefs. You can do it. Follow your heart. Take some moment to yourself and actually see where your heart takes you. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, mamas, and welcome to Megan Smith, who is the host of the Money Mindful podcast and also a life coach. So welcome, Megan. Hi, Karina. So great to be here. I'm really looking forward to our chat tonight. So without further ado, how would you best describe yourself? Ah, good question. Uh, Well, I am a mum. I've got two kids aged three and five, both girls. And I guess at the moment I would describe myself as a woman in transition. There's a lot of change happening in my life at the moment. And I'm in those, one of those funny stages of life when I'm changing, making career changes. And so there's always a bit of that cognitive dissonance when people ask you what you do and my natural reaction is to say I'm a school teacher but actually I'm moving into being a life coach and now I'm just in that funny chasm of transitioning from one to the other. And so you're talking about that you're going through this transition at the moment. What's been your career pathway to where you are today? (laughs) How far do you want me to go back? Yeah, (laughs) this is a common Uh, response. (laughs) uh, Well, I'm no spring chicken. So um, I actually started my career as, uh, well, in the photography industry. I worked in the photography industry for a long time in various different roles. I won't um, go into all those details. But there came a point when I went out on my own as a photographer and had my own uh, business and used to uh, be in a little studio. But what I found was that I really struggled with the business side. I was great at uh, being a photographer, but in terms of running a business, I wasn't so great and I was really struggling financially. And a lot of my friends who or peers who were doing well they, when they got started, they actually had somebody 
to either support them like a partner while they were getting their business off the ground or they already had a career to back them up that they had been in and then went into um, being a photographer and so they, they would do their old career part-time. And I thought, I need to do this differently. This isn't working. I'm really struggling. What can I do? And I had always been kind of good at talking and teaching and things like that. And so I decided I'm going to get my teaching qualifications. So I went back to university and did my postgraduate studies in education. And then it just, I always thought that teaching would just be a side thing that I would do to help me with my photography business while I got it off the ground. But it turned out that I just absolutely loved teaching. It was such an amazing, privileged position to be in where you you really do have a positive impact on somebody's life. You know, you'd be in the classroom and there would just be these light bulb moments where one of my students would come to me and the penny had dropped with something that I'd been teaching them. And that just doesn't compare to photographing products for an Officeworks catalogue or something like that. You know, it's not the same. I mean, photography can be very glamorous in many ways. Like I used to get to go up in travel towers and travel around and go to different places. But uh, being in the classroom was really rewarding on such a different level and I loved it. And before I knew it, I was working full time as a teacher and I wasn't doing photography anymore. And I really uh, changed into this career, not totally intentionally. I mean, obviously it was intentional to go and be a teacher, but I just had no idea how much I would resonate with this position of being able to work with children and yeah, I actually really love teaching and would still continue to teach potentially if the circumstances of uh, my family and our lifestyle hadn't changed. We, we've actually just moved to New South Wales for my partner's job. He works in the medical industry and he has um, come up here to follow through with some advanced training And now that we are away from all our network and family in Melbourne, I'm in a position where it's not really teaching doesn't work because we have to put both my kids in long daycare and we are away from our family and I don't want that for them. You know, I want to be that stable presence in the morning, being able to drop my daughter off at school and being able to pick her up at night. And I have been getting coaching for a long time now. And it's something that has really piqued my interest. And I knew that doing coaching would be something that I could use in teaching anyway. And so I'd been following along with the career trajectory of of a coach. And then when I knew that we were coming up to Sydney, I just thought, I think this is my time. This is, I'm, I'm going to do this because when you're working as a life coach, you can do it from home online and you can do it between school hours. And also you can do it in the evening. And I just thought this is 
a no-brainer uh, to suit being able to create an income that matches the lifestyle that I want to create for my family. So I'm actually no stranger to changing careers, um, although it's I don't know that it gets easier, though it's always um, a big leap when you move from doing one thing that you're very comfortable with to moving into something something different and new. Oh, that's... Yeah, definitely. These days with transition is, is, is a normal part. I think they say you're up to about six or seven different careers uh, in the space of your career. Uh, I know in myself, I'm up to, I think, about my fourth or fifth transition. So I completely understand making those leaps. And I think even as you said, it gets harder. I think even it's the old saying, the more you know, the more you realise that you don't know. Yeah, that's right. And also I think as mums, this is something that just happens when motherhood, motherhood happens. I mean, I don't, I wasn't really thinking about this before I had children, but I do remember at one point when I went on maternity leave and I said to my mum, you know, I'm not totally sure what is going to happen in terms of me going back to work, but I just feel open to possibilities. And so I really went into having children with that mindset because I didn't know how that was going to work at the time. We've actually moved around a lot. So when I had my first daughter, we were living away from family. And then um, when I had my second daughter, we moved back to town and we were closer to family. And that was how I was able to go back to work because I had uh, family looking after my kids, which allowed me in the sense that and this isn't, I feel, I feel funny when I talk about these kind of things because it's totally no judgment. But for me, I didn't want to put my children in daycare and that's just a total personal thing for me. But um, so I was able to go back to work because I had family and I know a lot of people don't have family and they don't have that luxury. And so it's just like, you know, you have to put your kids in daycare and or I know people are like quite happy and are not like freakishly um, <laughs> opposed to it like I am. I mean, that's not true. I'm not opposed to it because my daughter actually went to daycare today for her tra- first transition day so I can start working. <laughs> so, um, but at the time I wasn't ready for that with uh, um, like a six-month-old and what Amelia would have been about two and a half. So where were we? I've lost my train of thought. Put me back on track. Karina. That's all right. It's, it's good that we go <laughs> off on these tangents. It's good to hear your thoughts and your experiences. So clearly you've moved on from photography into teaching into, into um, now life coach. Are there any things that have really helped you make those transitions? And you say that your mindset, you are open to possibilities. Do you think that having that mindset and that opened that approach of, look, whatever may happen, may happen. Has that helped you in making those transitions? Because they're quite, particularly going from, say, photography to a school teacher to a life coach, do actually have some big jumps along the way. Yeah, well, I mean, I think mindset does have a lot to do with it. it with the photography, it was a matter of survival. I just needed to bring in other income and teaching I know that sounds strange that I actually went back to university and I was still working as a photographer while I was studying, but 
that made sense at the time. And this time around, it's not a matter of survival. I mean, we're a middle-class family. I could stay at home and look after the children, but that's not something that I want to continue doing. I've, I've been back at work part-time for the last, oh, I can't keep track of it now, maybe a year and a half or so. And I'm back in that mind um, frame of mind and for me, going into the life coaching has been more about if I was, if I hadn't have gone on maternity leave, I'm fairly certain I would be working in a leadership position at the moment in teaching. That's the sort of person that I am. But because we move so much and also we're away from home, at the moment, the options that are really available to me are temporary part-time work or casual work and that doesn't really go very far in the teaching industry I mean they they certainly need casual teachers absolutely but that's just you're just there this casual teacher who comes in and you just sort of sit at that level and I feel like I'm beyond that isn't the right word but I need more than that I need more of a challenge and something to sink my teeth into And so to develop in a new career where I can continue to learn and grow is very appealing to me because I do want to, I don't want to just be at this plateau as a casual teacher for the next, I don't know how many years until my children are settled into school and I'm working those kind of full-time hours again. And having said that though, it's not something that I've just kind of gone, oh, I'm just going to be a life coach, la-di-da. Like this is actually extremely scary for me to take this big leap. And uh, like I would say that I do have some safety nets, you know, if everything fell to shit, I still actually (laughs) have my job in Melbourne. Um, You know, at some point in time, I'm going to have to like let that go, but I'm on leave at the moment because we've only just moved up here. But it's a big it's a big change and I have take, I'm going into some debt to pay for the tuition fees um, to study and become a life coach. And uh, yeah, but I, I just think to myself, well, what kind of example do I want to be for my girls? You know, I I don't want to, just sit around doing the same old thing because that's the safe thing to do. I want to, I want to do more. I want to live a bigger fulfilling life and I want to take on those challenges. So yeah, right now I'm having very, uh, a lot of moments where I'm feeling very uncomfortable and there's a lot of unknown and I'm definitely stepping right out of my comfort zone. But then at the same time, I'm also having moments of, wow, like I'm a badass. I'm doing this, you know, like I'm just <laughs> like you go um, mama. Going, yeah. It's like, all right. So teaching's not working. Look for solutions. What am I going to do? And I'm finding them and, and doing them, even though it's, it's scary and requires me to change as a person. I actually was listening to a podcast with Amy Portetfield and Marie Folio the other day and Marie Folio was actually saying start something when you're not ready and (laughs) actually that's when you're also going to make those biggest leaps because if you think that you're ready, 
that's you probably should have started maybe six, 12 months before that because you've got so much learning. There's also an innocence about it as well. So you go, mama, keep going. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I just, I also feel like when I left Melbourne, I said to my principal, like she, she's very aware of what I'm doing. And when I said to her, look, I think I'm, I'm going to look into doing coach training when we go up to New South Wales. And she just sort of smiled and nodded like you didn't, I knew this was coming. Um, so that was really great to also have that um, backing, I guess, from, from my leader. Yeah. And actually giving you then the confidence from someone else that obviously knows you. Yes, you can do this. And what made you choose life coaching? And also, we can't forget, you run a great podcast. So you've got these two new areas. What made you choose life coaching and also from teaching going, okay, what am I going to do next? Because I know a few different teachers that say, look, being exactly the same situation as you, saying, I don't want to work five days a week and work crazy hours. I've got a few friends that say, look, I can't commit to that. I still want to be there for my family. Exactly the same situation as you. And then they're also then saying, but I don't know what next. I don't know what else I can do. What advice do you have for those people? Oh my gosh. There's a lot in that question. Yeah. Look, advice for a teacher wanting to make change, I would say, look, just be open, be open to possibilities and be open to change and exploring new things. Because as a teacher, we have a lot of skills that are applicable across a lot of different careers. So I don't think I think sometimes we can get a bit linear in our thinking, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm a teacher and that's all I can do. It's like, no, you can lead a group and you can facilitate dialogue between people. And there's just, yeah, there's so much more that a teacher is capable of doing, but also I think you need to be open to looking at the possibilities within the teaching industry as well. And I know that some teachers are limited by, there's that saying, the fish rots from the head down. And if you've got a principal in your school who you don't align with or who doesn't support things like team teaching, then that's going to be difficult, a difficult situation to get around. But personally, I haven't found that. I've been extremely fortunate that all the principals who have been the leaders at the schools that I've been at, especially the one that I've got now is extremely progressive and supportive. I mean, of course they have the students as the top priority. You know, it's not just all about what the teachers want. It's about what's going to work for the students. But at the same time, they uh, she knows that we're all human and we need to make it work for families. So yeah, I've never experienced that difficulty in being able to make it work. And if I was in Mel- if I was in Melbourne, I would still be teaching at school. But I'm not in Melbourne. I'm in New South Wales, and I'm working with with what I've got. But in terms of life coaching, what attracted me to doing that? I'm, basically, when I had my second daughter and we moved back to Melbourne, I was not in a good place at all. I 
was just unfortunate in terms of just the way that my children were and the, the ages that they were. I didn't get any sleep for a few years and I did have family and support and it's kind of a funny thing to say, but it wasn't the support I needed and I just struggled. I was like a zombie. It was really... Um, that would have been tough. Yeah, I kind of just got to a point where I was broken, you know, like I just actually had nothing else to give and just getting through the day was felt like, yeah, I just need to make it through the day. And I think I reached a breaking point when there was one time where Louis, because my, as I said, my partner works in the medical industry. So at the time, it was like this crazy period where he was working ridiculously ridiculous hours and then he also got posted to a hospital that was a couple of hours away and so he just wasn't around and um you know I had a young baby and a two-year-old and getting no sleep and then there was this day when he was home and he was like right just go out go and do something and I drove to Williamstown beach because we live near there and I just pulled the car over and I slept because that was all I was capable of doing. And I, I know that mums out there will relate and understand, but when you don't have sleep for really, really long periods of time, you actually, you lose. I mean, I didn't even used to go out in the car because I was so exhausted that I didn't feel safe driving oh, a vehicle. And you know, and I was just like, this can't go on like this. I'm, I'm broken. This is, this is terrible. Like I'm either going to become like an alcoholic or walk out on my family because yeah. I just can't handle it. But of course, you know, you don't do those things. And I ended up going and seeing, like talking to a, what are they called? A psychologist or whatever, but it wasn't what I needed. Like I wasn't depressed in the sense that. Um, in the textbook version. Yeah, but I I needed support. I needed help. But talking about it, what was happening was not helpful. I needed practical things that I could do to help me get through this really challenging time of my life. And I was just really fortunate because to go and go to those appointments, I asked my dad, he came and looked after the girls while I went to these appointments. And then after like, I don't know, the second or third appointment, I was like, this is this is going nowhere. This is not helpful. Um, and I don't know how it came about, but I just, a friend of mine went to a yoga class on a Friday morning and dad's like, listen, I'm going to look after the girls and you go to the yoga class. And that actually, gosh, I almost feel emotional talking about no, it. It's completely that was like life changing because I, it's like I was able to get something back for myself and I would go to the yoga once a week. But what was so amazing about it is it wasn't that dad had the kids for an hour and a half because at other times people would come and take the kids for an hour and a half, but it was just so sporadic and not organized in advance. And so I, there was nothing I could do. I would just want to sleep. You know, I couldn't, I was too foggy to go and sort of do anything. So this weekly thing of going to the yoga just, yeah, literally changed my life. And then it kind of extended to like dad seemed to be more confident with the kids. And then I was more confident leaving 
him with the kids and then it kind of progressed to he would just take the kids for the day. He'd be like, just go, relax, go do something, go have coffee with your friends. And this was utopic for me because I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? I can actually go and do something for myself and then go home. I can walk back into home and just have some time on my own without just walking straight back into the kids and everything. And then I just came across the Life Coach School. It's like a podcast and a a coaching school. And it was everything I needed at, at that time. Like it was all really practical thought work that you could do. And so I signed up nearly straight away and started getting coaching because that's actually what I needed. I just needed practical help to work on my thoughts and my mind so I could get out of this like negativity that I was in and just focus on how I could manage the situation. It's like this, the circumstance wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It just what it just was how it was, but I just needed to be able to look at it a different way and have support for that to move through that time. And so then I continued to get coaching over the last, I don't know, it's been over a year and it's really been, yeah, life-changing because now things happen in my life that, you know, it's not like my life is this amazing um, unicorns and rainbow uh, life. I have bad things. I have good things happen. I have um, negative emotion, positive emotion, but now I just have the tools to be able to manage my mind through it all. Like whatever happens, I just have those tools to go, huh, that's interesting brain, you know, how I'm looking at that or, and what do I actually want to create deliberately? And now I'm in a position where I can help other people do that. Just like I've been helped. So, I mean, that's what attracts me to it. It's a pretty awesome profession to be in and I see it as an extension of teaching where you're in service and really able to help somebody else with learning or creating something in their life. That sounds really inspiring and there's so much in that response that I think everyone can relate to in that the sleep deprivation and how and I honestly believe no wonder sleep um uh, lack of sleep is a, for, a version of, of torture because it really is and all mums can and even new parents can really understand that and it's tough like you go out at times and you think that you probably actually would be safer driving 0.05 than you know having 40 minutes sleep overnight because there's so much that you just you don't feel safe on the roads because of how tired and your awareness is so low um, but it's really true of of actually then also you then focusing on your self-care through the yoga. And I think that's a great message of, of being able to have, like your cup by the sounds of it was well and truly depleted. It was empty and, and needed, oh, yeah. <laughs> needed to clearly be filled and filled quite a lot. Um, that By the sounds of it, it was a huge, huge cup um, that, that really needed it. And that's so inspiring that you've then helped really get out of, of that position. And then I think, there's some really themes that come across the podcast that everyone I interview and it's definitely around mindset and communication but I'd have to say mindset is 100% number one about the way that we perceive ourselves uh, is is definitely such a big topic as well. Yeah that's right and sometimes you just need somebody to point it out that hey that's just a thought 
you know, that's actually not the truth. Like that's just a thought you're having in in your head about that moment. And having someone to point that out to you is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It can change everything because suddenly you're like, oh, oh yeah, right. I could look at this a different way or I could create something different or, oh yeah, no wonder I'm having that experience because this is what I'm thinking. So yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful stuff, but um, I talk about mindset all the time on the podcast. Has that then just changed your discussion at home and then through the podcast? Are your girls now, you educating them so them as young women growing up, they will be knowing a lot more about money and, and being able to talk about it? Oh, definitely. I mean, money is not a secret in our house. I mean, they're only... Th- three and five. So it's not like we're, you know, talking them through our property investment details or, you know, our yeah. conversations <laughs> with the broker or things like that. But we certainly talk about money at the dinner table, but like Louie and I will talk about it and uh, we don't make it a secret topic that we don't talk about. And we also, well, I certainly am conscious of, I have an awareness of how I talk about money. So, you know, if the kids ask me if they want something, sometimes I have to stop myself saying, no, we can't afford that because actually that's not true. We can afford it, but it's, no, I'm actually, I'm not choosing to buy that or that's not what I want to spend my money on because I'm aware that we have so many limiting beliefs and negative beliefs when it comes to money. And so many of us are just, we're not even aware of it. You know, all those sayings like money doesn't grow on trees. And of course I can't think of any of them now and I'm trying to think of them off the top of my head, but there's a lot of that. And often it's like, well, actually you can afford it. It's just, you're choosing not to spend your money on that. And so I'm very conscious of creating that mindset around my children that you decide what you want to do with your money. It, your life circumstances don't decide that for you. And yes, something might be expensive and you can choose to buy that expensive thing because you want it or you can choose to not buy it because you would like to spend your money on something else. That's very empowering for, for two young uh, girls as well, definitely growing up. And so what other tips and experiences have you had so far in actually teaching your children to have positive associations around money that other people could learn off? Well, I think just like, like I just said, being aware of how you talk about money, being open about money, and then making money real. We uh, did, I'm sure your listeners would have heard of the Barefoot Investor. We used his pocket money. I don't even know what he called it, but his pocket money system, we did that with the girls and that actually worked really well. And what we did is we set up a little template. We just downloaded the Barefoot Investor template and you can write in a couple of jobs and we just did it to suit their age. So one of the jobs that they could do was feed the dog, which is just as simple as getting a scoop of dog biscuits and putting them in the bowl. Another one I think we did was putting their washing in the their clothes in the laundry basket. 
and I think we did cleaning the bedroom, but with our help. So we would go in there and help them. Now they had those three things to do each week. If they did them, they would get the pocket money. If they only did one of the things or two of the things, they would only get a portion of the pocket money. But it was a way for them, one, to make money real. So to be able to actually hand them a coin and they were understanding that if they did a particular chore at home, they would get that money. And if they didn't do it, they wouldn't get that money. But also with my elder daughter, not my not my youngest, but my five-year-old was able to, because sometimes she'd want to take the money out and go buy a hair clip or something, which also I was fine about because it's like, yeah, if you want to buy those hair clips that I'm not interested in buying, you can with your own money. But also we were able to say, but if you hang on to that money and keep saving it, and then if maybe if you get some birthday money and you can add it to it, then you can go out and buy yourself something that you really want that's something bigger, you know, that makes sense to a five-year-old. And when we moved up here to New South Wales, because she basically never spent the money, we went to a toy shop and they had a look around and they were able to say, well, can I buy this? And it's like, no, you don't have enough money for that. But yes, you've got enough money for this or that. And they ended up buying a Barbie each, um, much to our dismay, a little, we're not really pro Barbie, but that's okay. They, that's what they really wanted. But it was such a special moment for my daughter to be able to hand over. I think it only costs like, it's only $12 or something like that. And I think she had 15 or $20. So she was able to get change. And that was a big moment for her to be able to go, wow. So if I buy this one, that's only this amount, I've still got more money left over to buy something else. And it's like, yeah, or you can save it. And she ended up taking the money home, but they're really amazing teaching moments. And you know what? We're not doing the pocket money at the moment because we've moved and so much has been happening and we just do it when it suits us. And you know, they're three and five, like we've got plenty of time to establish it, but it's something that we can fall back on where it makes money real for them. It makes doing a job and actually getting paid for it or also not getting paid if you don't do the work. So I think it's, yeah, it's incredibly powerful, but there's, I mean, there's no right or wrong, but doing something along those lines is a good way to have something tangible that you can teach them about money. And also with some positive outcomes with it as well, that they're, they're learning so much in that the life skills, and that appreciation is is definitely going to set them up for life. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, although we do give them the debit card to tap and we explain, you know, this, this card has money in it. That's very hard for little kids to understand. We still tell them that because we don't treat them like, you know, they're not capable of understanding these things. But I do think that's a little bit hard to grasp as a five-year-old. And when I say we talk to our three-year-old, she's just along for the ride. You know, she just goes along yeah. with whatever, whatever's <laughs> happening. But um, but it's just about, you know, my she doesn't understand it all, but we still make that information available to her because she will understand it as time goes on and it's just repetition of things that are happening. And when you talk about oh, this card, it's actually attached to a place where there's money. And when dad goes to work, he gets paid money. And that's what we use when we go to the supermarket. And that's why he goes to work. And we have actually had a lot of discussions about this because sometimes 
Amelia will say, well, why does dad have to go to work? And, or why are you going to work? And we're able to say, well, because we bring value and as part of giving that value, then we receive payment for that. And with that money, that's what we use to buy things in our life that we want. And kids can understand that. They do actually understand they that understand when you it, yeah. talk to them like that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually did that today with my son. I was buying something and I got him, I handed him the credit card or just the plastic as he would know. And he handed it to the lady and I said, there you go. You give it to her and then let her tap and then we're able to get it back. But he had an interest in understanding what was going on. I never expected it, but, and he's only 21 months old, but it was really interesting of he wants to have that sort of give and receive and, and, I think you're right of starting those positive associations and also if kids say, well, why are you working, mummy? Well, here's the reason. There is that value when you get then money and this is what we can do with it. That's right. And there's one other point that I think is really important is to educate yourself about money because children are like sponges. They will it's like monkey see monkey do you know I once had this student or a parent come in and they'd been out shopping and she was saying Miss Smith would wear this Miss Smith would wear that (laughs) some (laughs) store and you know and I would hear the kids and I'm sure you hear this too um the mums out there listening you hear kids say things that you say word for word and you think, right, okay, um, maybe I don't want my children talking like that. So if you're not confident about money or you don't know about money, that's actually the first step you need to take is educate yourself about money and then you model that behaviour. You know, that's actually what what you need to do. So for my kids, it's like what you said, you know, I feel very empowered around money and that I know what I'm doing with money. and. I still have, you know, areas that I want to improve in, but I am not afraid of money or afraid of using it to make more money and that comes across. And certainly as my daughters get older, I will explain our investments to them and tell them exactly what we're doing because it's just like when you get your kids in with you in the kitchen in the morning when Louis making pancakes and the girls are cracking the eggs into the mixing bowl. They're learning how to cook and learning those skills that they need to look after themselves in the world and, you know, that they need to have a shower to keep clean and hygiene and all these things. Money is just part of that. But I think sometimes that gets lost somehow because, there's a lot of people who struggle with understanding money themselves, you know, just because they've never been taught. I'm not saying that's a bad, a bad thing. It's just that consciously now as an adult have to go, right, huh, yeah, I guess mum and dad didn't teach me that stuff. Maybe they didn't know it either. But now I need to go out and find that information for myself because I know it's something that is important and that... I need to get my head around. It's a, you know, money's just money. Money's just a concept. It's just a social construct that we have decided. You know, we we decide that $10 means the value of $10. And just as a society, we have got that trust now and that belief that if we pay that $10, we're going to get that thing for $10. Or if we put that money in the bank, that we're going to get that money back out. But 
it's, it's the tool. It's not, it's not a negative thing. Money is just, it's like literally, well, plastic in Australia, paper in some countries, you know, like it's, we associate so much emotion about it, but it's actually just a tool that we use to transact and you can use money to make more money. And if you are feeling like you don't know a lot about it or you don't know how to use money in a positive way to create a positive impact, then that's okay. That That's step one. Okay, I need to learn about how to manage my money. Great. And then you just take steps to educate yourself. And then from that space, you model that to your children. That's definitely great advice. Uh, I can actually speak from experience. My parents were very open about their investment properties and their investment strategies. And so then from a very young age, when I first started working, they said, right, put some extra money into shares. So then, and I wasn't earning, like I was only 15 and I think I'd bought my first shares. But then by building up that portfolio and understanding the benefits of that can come from that, I was then over time able to put that into to land and people go, oh, where you are now? I'm going, no, because I've slowly built up over time through investments and because I've realized that I've always needed to put a little bit of money aside. Uh, my sister can attest that I haven't always been amazing with money, but I've actually, for me, getting a mortgage was actually probably the best thing from a money perspective because it forced me to save and to have a different attitude about it. But I always knew that I wanted investment properties. Um, but And I think that was modelled from my parents' behaviour and they were very open about talking ab uh, about their investment properties and, and shares and the likes. So for me, it hasn't been scary, but I can always understand if people are fearful or something, you kind of don't want to go near it. And the hardest thing is actually, as you say, to make that first step to say, no, accept that fear, embrace it, and then build up from there and say, listening to podcasts like yourself, it's also a very safe space to help overcome that fear. Yeah, that's right. And there are women who are on the podcast and they're just talking candidly about what they do. And so I'm creating that space. If you then had to reflect on how being a working parent has been for you with work and career, what's been your uh, perceptions on it for you and, and how what surprised you the most? Oh, good question. Well, I think the thing that surprises me the most is how we're just not set up for motherhood in many ways, that we have kids and it really is this baptism of fire, you know, you go through this stage and it's all about giving birth when you're going to have kids. And then it's like giving birth. That's like a couple of hours of the whole parenting experience. <laughs> you know, what comes after that is it's like a rites of passage. And I kind of feel a bit like, uh, you know, for the non, I mean, this is a working mama's podcast. So everyone listening, I'm assuming is a mum. But when you talk like this to people who aren't parents, I don't think you can really understand what is required of you until you become a parent. And I just look at my life before I was a parent and think, what was I doing? What was I doing with all that time? <laughs> you know, like sleeping. And I, yeah, and I see some people on occasion who aren't parents who I'm like, yes, you go girl. Like it's like they are using their life 
deliberately, you know, and maximizing it. But often I think you don't realize how valuable time is and how you want to live your life until you have children. And then through that process of having children, I mean, you know, anything now that when I go to set my mind on something that I think that I can't do, I th- I just am like, I have had two kids, you know, I can do anything. And sometimes I think, you know, we, we tap into that energy as mums and we're just like, yes, like if I want a job done, I'm looking for a mum for sure because I just think, yeah. Oh, yes, they're the most effective and efficient yeah. people. And, but the other part is is that if there's any moment where you're wavering as a mum where you think, can I do that, just think back to when you had your child, you know, and I just think we are so powerful. We are so capable of doing so much and having children, I think, opened, well, it opened my eyes to that. It opened my eyes to how much I'm capable of doing and then to be pushed to breaking point and well, I felt like I was broken and then coming back from that and just being like, yeah, I can handle it. You know, like going into debt now for um, coach training, like that's something that I, that does stress me out because it's not part of my financial manifesto, but it is, I'm investing in myself, but I have to change my mindset around it because it's, I feel like it's okay to invest in a property but investing money in myself just isn't the norm. So I just have to like rethink that perspective and I'm, I'm working on it, but those kind of things do scare me. But then it's like, yeah, but I've had kids, like I can handle this, you know? I mean, yeah, but even if you hadn't had kids, you could handle it, but it's just, I feel like it gives me that reference point to be able to just go, no, I've got this. Oh, and that's a message that so many people need to also hear It's because sometimes after mother, like they've given birth, they actually then start to doubt themselves, but no, they actually need to back themselves and change, change your mindset because you're amazing. What they're doing both mentally and physically and emotionally is, is actually pretty oh, amazing. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And you just got to tune into that energy, that powerhouse of yeah motherhood and empowerment yeah it's it's a positive and it's a confidence boost rather than actually getting into that negative thoughts and imposter syndrome and everything else that's right yeah and so where you've come on your journey particularly around your mindset what advice would you give to your younger self everything is going to work out fine and you've got this I actually, on my Instagram account, I put these quotes up, I don't know, a couple of times a week that they are actually, I did this exercise where I imagined I was in a position where I had made the podcast. Like this was before I had done the podcast. And when I was going through all this, oh, who am I to create a podcast about money? I'm not even a financial advisor, yada, yada, Mm. yada, all that stuff that we say to ourselves. All the imposter syndrome. Yep. Yeah. And then I did this exercise about what would I, what would my future self be saying to me if I had already achieved it and I already did have the podcast. And it was just like all this amazing insights. And now I just post them on Instagram and I'm like, oh, this is like really good stuff. (laughs) 
and um, yeah. it's sort of like you, it's come from me. Yeah, and you can just tune into that place of where you've already achieved it. So, yeah, I guess I'm going through that again now because I'm making change in my life. But yeah, looking back at myself in the past, like as a teenager and things like that, it's just like riddled with insecurities and self doubt. And I still get, I still have self-doubt. It's not like that goes away, but I think, yeah, it's just, it's just learning how to ride the wave. Like saying to myself, it's okay. Just ride the wave. There's going to be shit times, but you're going to be fine. You'll get through it. And And then there'll be good times. Just keep moving forward. That's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. And just quickly, um, how you and what strategies and initiatives do you use when managing the juggle, um, particularly as well when you've been away like you are now from family and, and working um, and raising a family and also having a partner that sounds like he's got also quite a, a demanding role? How do you manage it all? Uh, honestly, my kids watch more TV than I I would like to watch. (laughs) That's the honest truth, but some other more practical things. Um, but just to make those people listening feel a little less guilty about their children watching. Everyone's probably like, yes, it's someone else, not just me. Uh, there's a few things I, I have a very open communication with my partner and we discuss everything and I let him know and talk it out if I need support. And it's not just about like I need support with things. It's about these are the things that need to happen in our house and we need to, you know, uh, delegate who's going to do each thing. And it changes at different points in time. So Last year when I was in Melbourne and we had the family network and I was working too, we did things like spend money on services to create time for ourselves. So we had a cleaner and we had a gardener because that freed up time for us on the weekend to be able to be a family and that makes sense, made sense to us. But now that we've moved up here and I'm not working, I'm taking on more of that traditional role and I, I do that not, I'm not, it's not, what's the word, begrudgingly, because I am at home more. And for me, that makes sense that I would be doing more of that stuff. But at the same time, you know, after cleaning the house a couple of weeks in the room, I'm just like, Louis, you know, you need to do the bathroom and kitchen this weekend because I'm over it and it's your turn. You know, it's like, you, you're like, it's not, I don't feel like it's just all up to me, but I don't yeah. kind of put it on him like, I'm doing this all the time. You have to do it. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm over it. I want a break from cleaning the toilet. Can you do it for the next two weeks? You know, like it's just, it's not having that conversation. Yeah. And it's not an issue. Like we just talk about it and we plan a lot of things. So he does, um, we kind of take on different roles too. Like I do all the washing, but he does majority of the cooking. So there's just certain things that we, it, it naturally works out. But we'll we'll talk about it. So when we're doing the shopping list, we'll plan ahead and we'll we'll organize. Okay, so you're going to cook those things. I'm going to cook these things. I guess it's just yeah. I feel like the project manager of our household, and I project manage and work out who needs to do what. And I also take up those opportunities on the weekend if I need to get something done. I 
you know, I won't be backwards about saying, Louie, can you take the kids out? You know, I need time to do this. And, and he does. And likewise, if he said to me, oh, I've got, I don't know, some footy game I want to go to after work or something, I'd be like, yeah, do it. You know, we, we realize we're, we're both introverts for starters. So we, we like having time on our own and we yes, totally get yeah, it. You recharge up your own energy. Yep. Yeah. And so we support each other in that way to get time on our own because we, we need that to recharge. But communication, I think, is the biggest thing, communicating with your partner, because I think often it's easy to slip into, well, I'm doing all the work or I'm, you know, but whereas we'll have you actually had a chat about what's happening or how to work it yeah. out. And <laughs> Who's doing what? Let's talk about this and make sure also the other person's comfortable. Yeah, because it's like, hang on a minute, what? You didn't read my mind? Oh, okay, right. Sorry, yeah, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm not telepathic. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great advice. And Megan, how are you filling your cup these days? In the past, it was yoga. What are you doing for yourself at the moment? Sounds like it's been a pretty full-on couple of months. So what are you doing to fill your cup? I have a bit of, well, apart from the spending time on my own, definitely um, when I can, I get up earlier than the rest of the family and I have a morning routine where I do some exercise. I normally do yoga in the morning, but at the moment I'm, I'm just changing it up and I'm doing a, a different work home workout thing. And I get up in the morning, I do that. And then I make myself a coffee and I do a bit of self-coaching work. So just thought work, I guess you could call it like journaling. Um, and I have that time before anyone else in the house gets up. And that for me makes a huge difference. And I'm, but to set that up, I really work hard on going to bed early enough to be able to get up because I have a habit of staying up and reading late, but actually I need the sleep because that sets me up for the next day when I get, when I get the right amount of sleep, then I get up early, I get up before the rest of the family and I have my me time and I'm, yeah, that fills my cup. It's a great place to walk into the day when I've been here in my office, in my own space, having a coffee and then the kids wake up, Louie wakes up and it's like, right, I'm ready for the day and it's, we're on. And it's game on. Yep. Well, Megan, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. It has been fantastic to also hear about your journey and it certainly had its highs and, and some lows throughout it. But you sound like you're certainly in a, a great place now. And I wish you all the best of luck with your life coaching uh, that's coming up. And as well as the podcast, which is going from strength to strength. So how can people connect with you and also hear more about the podcast? Well, they can go to my website, which is moneymindful.com.au and they can get onto the podcast that way. I'm on iTunes and Spotify and all the good podcast catches. You can just search Money Mindful. If people want to connect with me on the socials, I'm always up. I always write back to people who talk to me. Uh, I think it's the same handle. I'm at Money Mindful Podcast on Instagram and also uh, have a money mindful page on Facebook, but it's at money mindful podcast. If you search that you'll, you'll find me. And I always love connecting with people. And if people want to learn more about money beyond the podcast, they are so welcome to join in book club. We do 
we do a new book each month and you just need to follow me on Instagram or get on my email list that you can do that through the website and you'll know what book we're reading and just be part of a community and have people that you can chat to and connect with over wanting to improve your finances. Go check it out, everyone. And again, thank you, Megan, so much for your time. It's been a great chat and I know that I've learned a lot throughout it all. So thank you so much. Thank you, Karina. We've covered a lot of ground. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week. Thank you.